Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I have got another episode for you guys. Um, I'm not entirely sure what all I'm going to talk about today. I think I'm going to do um, a bit of a kind of post post-script episode to the first the Hobbs and Friends episode that I did that was the first Librem Society episode and um, probably talk a little bit about kind of what I've been doing lately what has been going on and um, yeah just kind of chat about that so if you're interested in that stay tuned for the episode oh also we surpassed 3,600 total listens um, as of just recently, so that's really cool. Um, a, a whole lot more than I ever expected for this little podcast of mine. Um, uh, a ton of people have listened, apparently, which is really, really cool. So thank you, listener, for um, being a part of that. and. Yeah, let's get into the episode. All right, so um, the first thing I want to talk about is the Librem Society, the episode, the first episode that Hobbs and I did, the show that Hobbs and I are doing that is about fantasy and genre literature. Um, yeah, the first episode went really well. It was a lot of fun. It was sort of a... Um, kind of blend of a, a regular Hobbs and Friends episode and a um, Librem Society episode because we did some of the kind of usual segments for Hobbs and Friends, but then we also did the um, the Librem Society stuff with the prologue, the, um, the first section of Gardens of the Moon. We did the sort of two poems that start off because there's one poem at the beginning of the book as a whole and then one at the beginning of the prologue. And then there's the prologue itself. Um, so we talked about those two poems and the prologue itself, what sort of stuff we liked, what it shows us about the world, um, what stood out to us as readers, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and it was really good. It was a lot of fun. Um, I felt like it was um, a really, just a really positive experience all told um, talking about the, uh, the different books and the different, um, different things that, uh, went on in Gardens of the Moon. So yeah, it was um, it was really good. It was it was a lot of fun, and I hope that you were able to, if not listen live, listen after the fact. Um, Hobbs is has got his editor working on the episode now, so the audio version will be up on the Hobbs and Friends website at some point, but you can watch the whole thing on Hobbs's YouTube channel or on his Twitch channel. It's uh, archived on both of those. So you can get the, the kind of pre-show and the core show and a little bit of the after show um, on there. But yeah, um, 
I think what really one of the things that really um, was was really cool about doing Librem Society is I think it's I, I haven't been really in any kind of like book clubs or stuff um, like that. So it excuse me in some ways was about the closest to um, to kind of discussing literature in my like classes that I had gotten for a while. Um, and that was, was really fun. It was good to kind of talk about, talk about books with somebody. Um, Cause I don't get enough chances to do that in my regular life, basically. Um, yeah. Um, so one of the other things about the Librem Society that I wanted to remind everybody of, because I don't remember if I said it before, is that we are really interested in having guests on the show, if if possible, um, to, to have people who are interested in literature, especially genre literature, to um, pop in and say hi and discuss the the stuff that we're reading so i think next week next coming wednesday which is the 17th of february yeah on the 17th of february we're doing another chunk of gardens of the moon but on the 24th of february that wednesday we are going to do a um short story from a collection by william morris um the Morris collection is called on golden wings and I'm not sure which story we're going to do, but Hobbs and I are going to talk about it. So if you are interested in, um, showing up and saying your piece about William Morris, um, it would be really cool to have a, a guest or guests for that show. Um, and then as we go on, we're going to continue to do episodes of, um, other other non-Malazan fantasy books. Um, I've got a couple that I think would be good fits for the show. Um, a good way to talk about some of these uh, books. Um, yeah, a couple a couple of things that I think would be fun to discuss on the show um, that are a little shorter, a little uh, easier to um, just jump into than Malazan is. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna discuss those at um, some point. So yeah, Leo Room Society, really cool stuff. It was really fun to do the first episode. And um, if you have not checked it out, I urge you to go uh, find a way to listen to the episode because um, I think it was—I think it was really um, not to, to toot my own horn, but I think it was pretty insightful, pretty, um, pretty good stuff about the uh, the the book. You know, not not just. Um, you know, it wasn't just like, here's a summary of what happens and here's what we think about it. It was more than that. Um, the, that was certainly a part of it, but it was it was more about kind of like how the literature actually works and what real strengths it has and um, how you can, you can do that sort of thing in your... Um, 
your games. So anyway, a little like my uh, reading for inspiration episodes on the YouTube. So anyway, I hope you got a chance or are going to go check out the first episode of the Librem Society. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, I'm real excited about Librem Society. I think Hobbes is real excited too. And we're going to keep at it. So, um, yeah, I, I will be back with the next section momentarily. All right. So what else has been going on with me? Well, the big thing that I've been doing, so I, I think I mentioned on the podcast last time, is I have been working on a hack of ERA, the epic storytelling game, by Omnihedron Games to play in something like the world of Cain, the Mystic Swordsman, the character created by Carl Edward Wagner, his um, particular character for his particular flavor of sword and sorcery. Um, Cain is a, a really interesting character, um, really fun to read about, and I like I like the particular flavor of sword and sorcery that Carl Edward Wagner creates in the Cain stories a lot. So I wanted to. Um, I had been thinking of different ways to model that in game, and this is kind of one of my ideas. So I wanted to try it out. In order to try it out, I think I am going to end up uh, playing a um, a session of this with Jason Connerly, Jason Connerly of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast um, anchor podcast. Um, who's a, a good friend. He calls in all the time. And in fact, I have a call in from him to play today. Um, but I think, uh, today is Friday. It's, um, almost noon. I think at one, we're going to play some, um, of this hack for era and I'm going to see how it works. I haven't done, I've been feeling a little under the weather, so I haven't done quite as much prep as I would like. I've got a huge list of antagonists and um, obstacles and things to throw at the player that I um, have not um, completed yet. I haven't I haven't done everything that I would like to with them haven't statted out everything, but the stat lines for era um, opponents are really easy to make on the fly. So hopefully it won't be a big problem. The other thing I wanted to do was to create some random tables to um, suggest kind of what's going on in the story. Um, era is really kind of free form with its um, storytelling, it's very much kind of like the GM is just expected to kind of come up with what happens next on the fly. And one of the things I was thinking was, well, it would be really cool to have a bunch of random tables that would say, like, you know, where in the world are we? What sort of kind of region are we in? What sort of stuff is going on? At least for the start of a um, era cycle in order to um, have some level of, basically of, um, 
control, not not control, but some some level of aid to the GM in terms of coming up with what's going on and of staying within the um, kind of guidelines put forward by the uh, particular flavor that we're trying to evoke, right? Because I, I find in RPGs, flavor is not just a product of what you add, but also what you uh, take away, right? That flavor is flavor in RPGs is is really and and it goes for a lot of storytelling too. That flavor is not just kind of what's there, but also what's not there. And so, um, random tables I feel like are a good way to suggest material for the GM and also to kind of try to keep them within the bounds that you're trying to set. So. I think that's going to be good. I think that is going to work out. I'm a little disappointed that I haven't created all that material yet, but um, I want to work on that. I'm going to end up creating a lot of that material, I think, and we'll see what comes out of all of this. Um, I had a couple of other ideas for sword and sorcery, like the Kane stories. Um, one, using a... Um, using the the system behind blades in the dark the the forged in the dark system um and then a couple of other ideas for um games that would work for something to kind of evoke the feel of the cane stories um and there are a couple of reasons for this and um i actually have to run really quickly but I will be right back and we'll talk about those reasons in just a moment for you guys. So I'll be right back and um, see you then. Sorry about that. I think I mentioned that I'm not uh, feeling great today. Um, anyway, just had to run for a second to break and that broke things up. But um, what I was getting at is thinking about the different systems that would work for telling stories that feel like sword and sorcery and particularly the um, kind of sword and sorcery in the Carl Edward Wagner Kane series. Um, and there are a number of things that I was thinking about, but one of the big things has to do with um, things like success at cost, like um, narrative-based um, consequences. And what I mean by that is something that is sort of familiar to us, um, not just from pulp literature, but also from things like comic books, where, um, for instance, in the in a sort of three-act Batman story, in the first act, it doesn't matter how many thugs are shooting at Batman with automatic weapons, Batman is not going to be killed. He might be injured or hurt, but Batman, or generally most of the kind of superhero characters, is not going to... Well, and Batman's sort of a bad example because obviously they're not going to permanently kill off Batman in a um, Batman episode. There's going to be rules for coming back or things like that. But I think you get what I mean is the idea in one of these Kane stories. And then it applies also to Robert Howard's Conan stories. 
you know, the, the narrative or the consequences of actions are not going to take the hero out until maybe at the very end, if that happens, um, that there is a real kind of narrative arc to the threat. And what that means is that I think one of the ways to do that is to have a system that allows characters to um, succeed at cost or to do things like, for instance, the um, uh, Forged in the Dark, Blades in the Dark system where characters can spend stress to make roles easier as a way to um, suggest the idea of the toll that these things take on the character without actually... Um, having character death on the table right that there is and and that to me there's one sequence in bloodstone in particular that really reminded me of the way that um the blades in the dark works with stress where kane kind of as the last um desperate move pulls out the well i won't spoil the event but if you if you it's about uh between a quarter and a third of the way through the story and he's in the ruined city and pulls out the ring and that should be enough if you've read the story to remember exactly how that sequence works but basically it's a um kind of super stressful moment and there's a lot that um Carl Edward Wagner goes into a really um, describes a lot the way that this kind of last desperate act um, is really um, high stress for Kane that it's it's this kind of last really is this last desperate act and even though he sort of technically succeeds it comes at a great cost to his psyche. Um, and so that uh, that is sort of, yeah, that reminds me a lot of how these um, how stress works in Forged in the Dark games. So I'm still thinking about Forged in the Dark, but for right now, I'm most familiar. I'm more familiar with Era than I am with Blades in the Dark. Um, and I was thinking, so I'm, I'm thinking through the different kind of things that might work. So I'm going to try out era with Jason and see if it works. Cause it has a similar mechanic actually, where if you, um, kind of partially win the contest, but don't win the complete contest, you can, um, take essentially damage to your character's ratings wounds is what they call them but it's not just physical wounds it's also mental and emotional and things like that that uh weigh on your character's soul so um there's a lot of of ways to model a, a similar um moment like that so I think that is going to work pretty well for telling that having that kind of moment in these stories without actually right. The idea is without actually um, killing, because that's one of the things I think that um, 
for instance, one of the reasons why I wouldn't use something like Astonishing Swordsman Source of Hyperborea is because I think old school games often don't have as much of that at least built into them. I would have to kind of create a whole system um, to suggest that kind of stress or dread or whatever you want to call um, the kind of cost associated with success. And they also often don't have like skill systems and stuff like that. So um, I think, I think that the, the sort of two that I've outlined and I had a couple other ideas. I thought about hero quest by Robin laws as an option. Um, and that's sort of still on the table in some ways, although I'm not sure I'm probably that's sort of like a, a last resort option in some ways, and then I've thought about some other you know systems that might um, work for something like this. Often, kind of more along the sort of narrativist lines is part of the the thought, um, my thought behind these um, these kind of systems. But um, yeah, that's sort of. That's sort of where I'm at right now in terms of modeling the Kane stories is I'm going to try Era, and if Era doesn't work, I'm going to try Blades in the Dark or a heavily modified version of Blades in the Dark and um, see what comes out of that. So, yeah. Um, I think that's going to be it for the episode, so let's get into the outro. Oh, I just remembered I have Jason's call-in from a couple days ago, or really a day or two ago. So I'm going to play that, and then I'm actually going to not play the outro yet, because I'm going to wait and do the game with Jason this afternoon, and then um, talk about that game. And we're going to see um, how it actually worked for the Era Kane hack. So... Um, not getting to the outro quite yet, as you can probably see based on the time left in the episode. But um, let's hear from Jason right now. Hey, Arlen, Jason here. I hope your project with Hobbs went well. It's unfortunately not realistic for me to watch and, and participate live, but I, I hope that went well with you guys. Um, looking forward, hopefully, to playing that game with you tomorrow. So I'm sure you'll report to people how that went. And, yeah, best luck in all your endeavors. Sounds like you are got a good plan for the Shadow of the Demon Lord campaign. And, you know, fleshing that stuff out and combining it with your solo play is exciting and a good idea. That's something um, Chicago Wiz used to do. And it's something I've thought about doing. I just never get around to it. <laughs> but, but I really think it's a, a good idea to, you know, have that joint world between solo and your regular sessions, so... Anyhow, keep up the great work. Talk to you soon. All right. It is now actually a couple days later. Um, it is Monday, and um, I'm recording this little bit after having kind of listened through the, the episode so far. Um, anyway, I did not get to play on Friday with Jason, unfortunately. He is having internet issues and so couldn't play the... Um, era hack that I've been working on. Um, I did get this this morning, I was able to get some solo uh, play in. So I've played one session of era, the epic storytelling game. 
as solo play, um, which was a lot of fun. It was it was a great adventure and very, um, you know, fun storytelling. Um, I really had had a lot of fun with the solo session. Um, but I think what I'm going to do is talk about all of that another time in more depth. And by another time, I mean probably tomorrow morning. Um, I'm going to sit down and do one of the things um, I've been talking with my buddy Jason Hobbs a little bit about solo role playing. And he sort of had a question about it, about like what even is solo role playing? How does it work? That sort of thing. And so I wanted to. I want to do an episode of the podcast that gives kind of a good answer to that kind of what is solo role playing and, and why do it. So um, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to get some ideas. And from there, I am going to uh, go into uh, the podcast, hopefully tomorrow and um, try to answer that question. So that's what you guys can look forward to. And you can probably look forward to more discussion of ERA, the epic storytelling game, um, and the Librem Society and all that sort of stuff that I'm doing with Hobbs too, because I'm probably going to talk a little bit about Librem Society tomorrow. And yeah, um, all in all, yeah, I hope you have enjoyed. So um, this is also going to be the outro section. So I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.